You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the podcast. Podcast. I'm Stuart Wright and this is the Britflix.com podcast. On this podcast, rather than critique or score films out of five or ten or tell you what we love or what we hate, I sit down with the filmmaker and get them to give us an insight into the process of making their movie, what they discovered, what they learned, all those kind of things. Or I get to sit down with a horror film fan and get them to tell me five great British horror films that they think we should all take interest in. Either way, this podcast is provided totally free without any outside advertising. So if you enjoy it, please make sure to subscribe in iTunes. And if you've got that bit more time, write me a review too. It all helps. Thank you. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright and returning, I think, for his third visit to the podcast is Simon Rumley. Hello, Simon. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Um, you come with us with another. Well, I guess was was was. Um, I'm trying. To, I forgot the bloody name of the film now. Johnny. Um, Johnny Frank Garrett. Yeah, was that a good? Johnny Frank Garrett. Would you call that a biopic? Well, uh, or, or a because it was a fictional interpretation of 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 the story around the murder, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, it, it was it, it was certainly a biopic for the first ten or fifteen minutes, as as Johnny Frank Garrett was was um, unfairly tried and, and then sentenced to death and then indeed um, killed. Um, but but after that, it it, it 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 went away from a biopic, really. Um, yeah. So, so, it, so you've, come, you've come to us now with a true biopic based on what information was available, because obviously. Yes, yes, um, yes. This, this, this is a true biopic. That's that's for sure. And it's Crowhurst. So, do you want to give for those that don't know? And then I didn't know till I watched the movie. I mean, we're we're, we're you know also yeah. it dawning on me as we're watching it, and you finish watching it, and you have a look around. You go, oh, it's the fiftieth anniversary as well. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So, what is Crowhurst as far as you're concerned as a film? So, so the, well, this film is, is about a man called Donald Crowhurst who. Mm-hmm. Um, was around in the, in the well, 50s, 60s. In 1968, um, or 67, yeah, 68, um, there was 
a race that was set up by the Sunday Times called the Golden Globes. Um, and they set up this race because they had just sponsored Sir Francis Chichester to sail around the world. And Sir Francis Chichester was the first man to sail single-handedly around the world. However, he he stopped over in, I think it was Sydney. Um, so the Sunday Times really loved all the publicity that they got from this and thought, hey, why don't we get, you know, why don't we get more publicity? Why don't we do a race? Um, and let's push up the stakes a little bit. Um, let's make it a race where no one can stop anywhere. Um, so that's what the Golden Globe race was. It's, it's basically, um, and there were two prizes. One was, it's a bit complicated because the start date happened over a three months period and there are two prizes. Um, either for the, well, for the first person who finished the race, um, and then, and, and then for that, you, you got a, the, the Golden Globe Cup. And then the second prize or, or the other prize was for the quickest time. So for example, you could leave on the very last day, um, and have the quickest time. But still not, you know, but still not be the first person to cross the line, if, if that makes sense. So, so Donald Crowhurst was a, um, he lived in a place called Bridgewater, uh, just outside of Bristol. He was what's generally cons- considered to be a weekend sailor, and he was a, an inventor, and um, he decided that, and he had, he had a family, he had a wife and four children, and he decided that he was going to go on this race um, and win win the five thousand pounds reward prize. Um, and so this is what he did. He he basically found sponsorship for um, a boat, which a trimaran, and he got it made. And he literally set sail on the very last day of the that that he was able to, which I I believe was the thirty first of October. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's a, it's it's a fascinating sort of it, it reflects a fascinating period in time, I think, as well. Yeah, uh, in terms of, I mean. The idea of, I mean, when you say weekend sailor, I think for the benefit, I mean, having seen the film and thinking of like, if I said to the listener, I've never sailed in my life, and if I went and did three hours yeah. at River Lee, in a, yeah. or on a lake, or on, you know, Tottenham Reservoir or something, and then tried to sail around the world, that yeah. wouldn't be much more than what Donald did, was it really? In reality, well, no. I, I mean, it, it's it's no one's quite sure exactly how much of a sailor he was because on on one hand, you know, he was generally well, he he was well. Well, actually, I was going to say that, but actually, I'm wrong. You know, he was considered to have absolutely no or, or no experience or very little experience. Um, but actually, there were people in the race who had even less than him. No, um, no, that, that and that's the bonkers thing about it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It sort of reflects yeah. the time of this this idea of the plucky Brit going to do the the stupidest thing they can do. Yes. You know, we we the 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 the, the media is you know through the 20th century, the media is full of rich people that lost fit limbs trying to go to cold places. You know. Um, because it was a challenge, yeah. and so this this kind of late sixties thing of sailing around the world without stopping was like, yeah, one bloke's done it, and he stopped in Sydney. So some yeah. editor's gone. We can get a lot. We can write about this for weeks. <laughs> no, no, that, that's exactly it. And and um, <clears throat> you know, and and the film very much, you know, in my mind is is about you know the daring do spirit of 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 the British, you know, people, mm. and, and actually, you know, and 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 I see this as almost a um. You know the, the dying spirit of of the British Empire, really, because they, because you know. So what? What? How did you come? How, how did you come to Crowhurst? How did Crowhurst start for you as so, a, as, as a project? Oh, so, so so yeah. So so well, just to finish 
the summary. So basically, Donald sets off on this race, and, and, and it becomes very apparent very quickly for him that his boat isn't good enough, and quite possibly, and quite probably, he's 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 not strong enough, you know, for whatever reason, to actually finish finish the race. So that's what he does basically um, once he realizes that at sea. Um, so in terms of the project itself. Um, I'd actually just come off of Johnny Frank Garrett. Mm. I'd been in where, where I'd had a generally pretty bad experience. Um, so, yeah, I was in Cannes in 2014. Mm-hmm. I'd just come out of Johnny Frank Garrett's last word, which was generally a pretty bad experience, to be honest. Um, and I got an email from Mike, Mike Riley, who's someone I've known pretty much since, well, actually, no, since the mid-90s. And, and, and we've always been friends, but he's someone that, you know, we, we'd drop in and out of contact. Um, and I, I bumped into him at Fright Fest, actually, um, for a screening of one of his films, The Seasoning House. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, and, and so we met a few times, kind of lost contact again. And then, and then I randomly got an email and Mike saying, hey, what are you doing over the summer? And I was like, well, depends who's asking. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and he said, well, actually, I've, I've got this film that I, I, I want you to, to make. Um, and the very bizarre thing was that actually the night before, literally the night before, I'd met a financier who had read one of my other, well, one of my other, well, one of my scripts. Yeah. And, and he was like, I love it. I want to do this. Um, you know, let, let's do it. So I'd kind of said, I'd already said, and this doesn't happen very often to us. Um, so I'd said yes to this guy. Yeah. Um, pretty much everyone. And he, he just finance his first feature so i i owned an ad with with mike and, and about the mercy and and in the end sorry about Crow, i actually said to, uh, to mike that i couldn't do crow because i had, had this other film um and and i was i, I love crow and i love the story and i loved everything about it um but because i'd had such a bad experience on someone else's script with johnny frank garrett mm. i thought okay I, at least with my script i know you know it's my script it's as good. I think it's good, even if no one else does. So yeah, I wanted yeah, yeah, yeah. To just to go back to doing something of my own. Um, so I turned it down. Um, that was that. You know, I, I, we we went to a kind of very pre, kind of early pre prep on the other film, which of course in in the end never happened. Um, and so I was kind of kicking myself. I, I spoke to Mike, and he said, "Well, actually, we've kind of we're actually talking to you know another. Actually, at the time, it was an actor director, quite quite a famous." Actor actor um who wanted to get into directing um and that went on for a while and i I think by the end of kind of november or october november time i think that hadn't quite worked out you know it was december and it just felt that the project was dead Mm. and and i i had another you know i hadn't gone into another film and so i was like yeah just kind of fairly annoyed with myself to be honest and thought what a missed opportunity um and then come january sorry it's a bit of a long story but then come january 2015, yeah. um, we, I, I read about the, the Mercy, um, well, it wasn't called The Mercy then, but the Colin Firth film. Colin Firth was attached, James Marshall was attached, and mm-hmm. they were going to pre-production. And again, I was like, fuck, that, that's so annoying because we'd have, you know, we'd have started first and all that kind of stuff. And, mm. um, and actually, um, but, and, and then I, I, again, I got another email from Mike, um, I think probably early, early February, kind of fairly much out of the blue saying, hey, you know, I've spoken to a financier. If, if, you know, if you fancy doing this, we've you know we've got a green light, but just like you know the, the budget is way lower than what it was. Um, so I was like, yeah, fuck it, I don't care. Let's do it. Um, and, and 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 that was that was February. Um, I mean, February can you just just then, just just stop uh, there a second, Simon? So for I think yep. it's worth saying for for the for the layperson listening, 
Even yeah. even though you might be disappointed at a lower budget, the fact yeah. that a film's been greenlit in terms of its fun, of funding is still yeah. an attractive proposition, isn't it? Because that means you can make yeah. it within the constraints of the budget, but at least it's you're not saying, I'll be attached and I'm waiting. You're actually saying, let's do it, aren't you, really? That's the difference. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. And, and actually what I've done latterly in my career, and, and I have to say I, it's something that I like, is, you know, Johnny Frank Garrett, um, the uh, Crowhurst, and actually Once Upon a Time in America, oh, sorry, in London, which, as you know, I've just, mm. just finished off. Um, these are all films that I did not originate, and, and producers came to me, rather than my, my other films like Red, White, and Blue, or Fashion East, or whatever, The, the Living Dead, were all films that um, I, I had written, I produced, I, I went out and raised the money. So, so one of the great things about... One of the great things about not having written the script is that generally producers come to directors when it's pretty close to happening or it's yeah, reasonably yeah, yeah. close. And, and certainly with Cross, it was literally, yeah, it was literally, okay, if you want to do it, it's happening. So, um, and, and, and to be honest, you know, I, I kind of, you know, money aside and stuff, uh, which obviously is, is always nice to get, um, but um, I, I did feel that if we, the lower the budget, the more, freedom in a way i would have you know me and me and mike worked closely on it but the financiers very much left left us alone um and there is some you know relative experimental stuff in it and some fairly crazy stuff no i was going to say let's 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 just we'll get to that in a second because i think the interesting thing is is i i going into this film i kind of know you for your genre stuff admittedly your genre stuff isn't what you would call the traditional tropes genre. or cliches of genre. You, 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 yeah. You're always trying to be. You're always trying to do something a little, a little more interesting. I always, that's how I kind of think of the work you do. Yeah. And then I'm like, he's doing yeah. a biopic about a guy sailing around the world that fails to do it. And I'm thinking, where's the genre in that? But actually, you seem to have yeah. kind of created a film that's about the existential dread of going crazy on your own. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, well, thank you. Yeah, it, it's um no, and and this is it's, it's funny because you know, I, you know, I, I did Chris, and actually even with Once Upon a Time, you know, people are going, why, why are you doing that? You know, hmm. and 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 with this, it's like, well, to be honest, it actually fits in pretty perfectly with you know my oeuvre, shall we say? Um, yeah. because it, yeah, it is about a man. It's it's about a man um, who goes crazy. You know, and and a lot of my stuff is about you know tales of ordinary madness and 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 um, he, you know, it's it's about again. Many of my films are about you know essentially good people who make bad decisions with disastrous consequences. And mm. and you know you couldn't some um, Crowhurst up better than that. You know he's he's a good guy who made made a you know questionable decision, let's say, and and then the consequences of which were you know couldn't couldn't have been much worse, frankly. Um, so so it really fits in with you know whether it's red, white, blue, whether it's the living and dead. It does fit in actually exactly with that kind of. No, no, for sure. When I've watched and, and, you know, it, it's, it's, when I watched it, it feels like a Simon yeah. Rumley film. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's a departure at all. But it's like it was just the going into it. Yeah. You kind of go, "Where's he going? Where's he yeah. going here?" Like, but actually, by the end of it, I'm like, I've watched a Simon Rumley film because yeah. he's yeah, messed yeah. with my great, head. Great, great. <laughs> now, given, 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 Donald is such a uh, feature of the film. Um, the casting yeah. of yeah. Justin Salinger, was that was he your first yeah. choice, or was he a search that took you a long time? Yeah, to to, to be honest, we um we we did an open casting. Um, well, it wasn't open actually. Our, our casting director, I think, invited 
like 12 people along, of which Justin was one. Um, and we did an audition and we invited three people back, of which, of course, Justin was one. Um, I, I, I don't think I'd heard of any of the people that we saw. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew a couple of them that their work um did, didn't know justin um but yeah you know best best man got the job basically so you know, we, we went into you know the, the audition as well as you always do with no no kind of preconceptions about anyone um and and it was really seeing who um yeah who um yeah who who, who got the material who understood it and and justin justin was was our man so so yeah you know he, he's amazing you know, a, a great pleasure to work with um nothing was too much trouble which which you know i've I, you know a lot of actors are very cool some aren't um but you know in this case we were filming in gale for seven and I, well, well we were filming gale for seven wins we had to stop when it got to gale force eight but you know justin had never pretty much been on a boat before he certainly couldn't sail so no way you know we were yeah, yeah. So we were there, you know, in 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 storms and rain, and and he was there, you know, trying not to vomit, and and you know, he he was amazing, you know, he just um, you know, just went through it all. It was it was a real kind of you know stoic, staunch kind of trooper, really. Um, never complained once. Did everything that was asked of him. Did an amazing job of everything that was asked for him. So and and then and actually, you know, one one of the one of the most enjoyable parts of the film, to be honest, was was every literally every night. Me, Justin, and Milton, the DP, were staying in the in the same um, well guest house in Bristol, and, yeah. and so every every night, literally every single night, I think we we would go. Um, we, we had you know float from the film. We would go to to the to a local pub and and, and have a meal and just ha- you know have one one or two pints, have a meal and just kind of re- relax from the day and and and, uh, and just you know chat laugh you know um commiserate whatever mm. um so that that was um yeah you know and just you know, you know and it was, it was a, a, actually kind of quite an unusual um thing to have that amount of kind of you know breathing space and, and kind of debriefing time with an actor because usually you know you finish a scene you know the actor goes home then, then you're talking to lots of other people about, about the next day and stuff and, and you don't really get that time and space but yeah 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 so so justin well i guess you know the biggest compliment i can pay to justin um is, is that I, I brought him on board again for once upon a time in London. Mm. Um, so, you know, I've, 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 you know, any, any, anyone I, I like working with, if I can, um, I, I try and work with them again for obvious reasons. No, so, no, God, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would say any, any, anybody involved in casting that might hear this podcast, I mean, I'd, 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 I'd get your hands on Crowers because I think, I think you, you could, you could see him in, numerous types of roles he seems that i mean i loved i loved you know as much as you've got the kind of the high energy fraught bits which are the kind of the idea of being you know marooned on in out to sea but actually i really really enjoyed the sort of contemplative and increasingly crazy even though it's not like jazzan's crazy but you as the audience are going we've lost him now haven't we and those that part yeah. of that kind of understated part of his performance, which obviously yeah. film film really crucifies if you go too far. Don't you raise an eyebrow too much, and yeah. film yeah. goes it's hammy. Whereas I felt like he kept it on an he kept on even keel. Excuse the pun. Excuse the pun. <laughs> he kept his performance yeah. on even keel when it was when he could have been like you know yeah. <laughs> and all that kind yeah, of nonsense. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I, I mean, you know, I I agree completely. And and actually, you know, I mean, he's. He's he's um he's his 
you know, he's been acting his whole life, and, and he's mm. he's he's um, probably more established on on stage than on screen. And so, for example, he's he's had a couple of leads at the Almeida. He was in Ink that opened at the Almeida. Then he was in an Ink that went to the West End. So he's you know he's he's honed his craft um, very much on the on the stage. And I think in the last five years, he's, he's been doing you know gradually more and more. T- TV and, and and film, so you know I th- I think yeah you know he's he's a yeah he's amazing. So I'm, I'm I, he's I think he's now doing a Netflix series in um in Budapest. So I I, yeah, I I think he's someone who will go from strength to strength to be honest. Given given you were working at possibly you know the lower end of the budget to make this movie, um a disaster yeah. at sea doesn't strike me as the obvious thing to try and make on a low budget. No. no. Well, it's it's funny you should say that because Andy Briggs, who wrote the original version, he, he did a great job. Um, yeah. But as you say, you know, when I came on board, I I I, I, I did some rewriting, very much made it my own. Um, and and one of the things that I was very aware of was the budget in terms of rewriting. And Andy had done a lot more, kind of you know, you know, Man in the Storm, kind of all his lost, kind of Rob Redford type type yeah. uh, type scenes, which are great. Um, and fun, but of course, we, we just didn't have the resources to do that. So, um, one of the things I, I did was make it much more, well, psychological, really, um, as, as, as you just mentioned. Um, and, and so, so the reality is, even though it seems like a bit of a crazy undertaking, the actual reality is that, um, you know, it's basically one man. I mean, you know, th- th- there's obviously stuff on, on, on land for the first 15 or so minutes, but the core of the film is one man in one location, um, in, in a boat. So actually all the things that we shot in the cabin, we, we, we literally shot in Bristol Harbor. Mm. So, so that part of the film was, to be honest, pretty low budget, you know, and that, that's the, the, you know, the dictates of any low budget film, few actors, few locations. So actually I think, yeah, 11 days out of, uh, I think it was, I think we shot for four weeks, and, and so half of that was on, on in you know, one man, one location. So to be honest, it, it it did make our life a lot easier, and so it was easier than than you may think. That said, shooting at sea was was the big kind of thing, and even in my script, that there was a reasonable amount of shooting. Well, well, the exteriors of him on on boats and wide shots and stuff, mm. um, and. And I think initially that was something that Mike was worried about, Mike the producer. And and I think initially he budgeted for two days at sea, mm-hmm. and and I was like, there's no way we're we're going to shoot all that in two days. So he he then said, okay, fine, let's let's take it up to three. Um, oops, hang on. um and then and and then I and then then that kind of gradually became four, because in because because we were shooting the Bristol Channel, oh. the, the the Bristol Channel has the second strongest tide in the world which we didn't know when we started the, pro- pro- the process but we we did find out so so in the end um we had four days but then we, when we by the end of the fourth day we we'd shot a lot of stuff but we hadn't either got the opening scene or, or the or the or the closing scene so 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 we were somewhat screwed so then we had to do more at sea we, we put in two days um because one was the opening scene is during in the morning. The the closing scene is at night, um, and then on the on the on the fifth day of the filming, we we had to have a 
a, a rescue boat with us at all times. But on the fifth day of filming, the rescue boat um, broke down. So then we had one final day, so in, in which where, where we did get everything. But in, in, I like this. I like the way you say. Obviously, the broke the boat broke down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. The, the, the safety boat, which was meant to be looking. Yeah, it was it was um, annoying to say the least. But hey, the, these things are sent to test us. Indeed. But yeah, yeah so in the end, we we literally, I think we started filming on on the sixth day at maybe actually in the end, I think at lunchtime, and then. Mm. And then we finished at about 10 o'clock, but it literally, because of the tides and because the, the boat, the, the actual trimaran itself had some kind of problem, mm. um, we, we, we didn't get in until literally kind of four in the morning. And, and uh, again, you know, everyone, everyone's frozen and tired. And it was, it was that sense of like, yes, we finished, but that sense of, oh, I just fucking want to, you know, actually want to drink. Um, but obviously at four in the morning, that wasn't happening. So, but, but yes, yeah, so, um, so yeah, so in terms of the budget, it was it was an interesting thing to do on a low budget, um, but we we did do it. But as I said, you know that was partly partly you know me me kind of understanding. The... Where did where did the idea come for in, within the story to use sort of land and hope of glory, God save the Queen and Jerusalem? Because they 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 were used, in, and and the easiest reference point I can think of is sort of like in a kind of Dennis Potter way. Yeah, where, where yeah. you allowed us to focus on individuals who were who were interdependently linked to the mad journey across the water. So you kind of tied everyone together, but it was it, it, at certain points in the film you use you use those big thumping you know great British numbers that we that we you know are used that the the, um, the prom nights at the prom and things like that. But they but they were it, it fitted with the film. It's not like you suddenly just took yeah. a song break. It yeah, was it yeah, was yeah. it was to do with emotional beats, wasn't it? Yeah, no, very much. So. And it's, it's, you mentioned Dennis Potter because actually someone else mentioned that the cynic singing detective, which I've, I've never seen. Um, Is that right? I, you've I never seen singing, was... you've never seen singing detective, and you, and yet that's that's amazing. Yeah, and I have. <laughs> well, I, I I guess you know the only thing that I've seen like this is really Magnolia, um, the, okay, the Paul yeah. Anderson film. Yes, so, of course, yeah. So, so Mag- Magnolia was in the back of my mind, but yeah, you know, I, I just, you know, all those songs, you know, going back to the idea that the film is about the, you know, the, the decline of the British Empire um, mm-hmm. in, in the you know late sixties, early seventies, when when the world really was changing, you know, if, if you look back in the history of of you know in 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 our kind of rough lives, you know, you've, you've had the Second World War, obviously that was before my time, but then. Then you know that that was obviously massive to uh, to to you know an understatement, but you know um, then then you had I suppose you know the sixties when when you had the the whole kind of black rights movement in in, in America and you had the, the riots and, and the student rights in, in Paris and, and and free love and all that you know yeah, yeah. Um, and then you had the sixties with the Sex Pistols and, and and punk and and then um, and 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 so it really seemed that this time. In the late sixties was a time when when Britain was you know it probably didn't even know it at the time but it was changing and, and for me those those hymns you know I, I went to school where we went to you know chapel every day and and we would sing these these kind of hymns and for me they're so redolent of 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 the empire and 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 the you know stiff upper British lip and mm. and, and 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 you know and, and our pride and our patriotism and 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 all this stuff which I, I think as a nation we don't really have. Terribly much of the, these days, certainly not what it was. 
Um, and and of course, you know, the internet has changed many things and da 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 da. So um, so yeah, yeah. I, but you know, that said, some of these songs are just or hymns are, are amazing. You know, Jerusalem. It's like, you know, lyrics by William Blake. I, I mean, how, you know, what? It just I love it. It's, it's an amazing, amazing song. So I, I just sort of again trying to do something different that that you know well that the Mercy wouldn't do that the BBC wouldn't wouldn't you know be that inventive really um, or, or Studio Canal for that matter um, because it is seen as something a bit you know a bit different um, so I, I, it just to me seemed to make sense and, and it seems as you say you know we start this conceit very naturalistically with with them singing men and hoping glory as, as he leaves mm. leaves the um, the harbour. And and so so that, that it's already embedded in the in the conceit of the film. Of so course, then when yeah. you go back to it, it, it's it's you know with Jerusalem, it's it's slightly surreal, but again, hopefully it works. And, and then in my mind, you know, you come out of that film, you know, humming, uh, sorry, uh, humming some of those songs, which again is is kind of almost like subliminal, you know, subliminal advertising kind of thing for a film you've already no, seen. No, no, no. Um, Jer- Jerusalem is still a tub thumper, but I still think I still think Land of Hope and Glory is a dirge. It's uh, it, <laughs> it doesn't rouse me. Jerusalem, I can get. I, I you can You can't help but feel roused by by the the, the, the beat and the build of Jerusalem, but the uh, the other ones they never they've never got me. Um, but you're right. In terms of that that period in time, though, uh, yeah. Britain was losing its empire, and I think like the likes of Rumsfeld and Cheney in America were basically saying the hippie dream's over. Welcome conservatism, you know. So, think that the, the whole the whole liberal dream was ending, and equally the, the power grab that, that that Britain made during its its build of colonialism and the industrial revolution was be, we were having to let go, weren't we? And obviously. Yeah. Five years later, we joined the EEC, yeah. and here yeah. we are in 2018, and we're going to leave it. So yeah. maybe we're going to build another empire again. Yeah, well, I know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it's actually interesting because you know the, the, a few people have you know started writing about the film now, and and, um, and and more than a few people have you know said it's it's, it's very kind of pertinent post Brexit film. But of course, we actually shot it, and well, we conceived of it and shot it before before Brexit. So it's, oh, it's wow. kind of ironic in a way. No, totally, um, totally. The other, the other thing that you, that I really enjoyed that you did, and again, it's like that simple. It's the it's the, it's the simplest ideas that that can often have the ma- can have a massive impact. Is that the sort of monotony of of him having to sort of eat yeah. and get ready, you know, do his daily yeah. routine and stuff. So yeah. the eating of food becomes like torture, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Do, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. That, was that a conscious was that a conscious decision, or was that something you saw in the aftermath of having made it? No, no, that that was that was a conscious decision. I, I mean, you know, the the idea was, I, I think in all my, you know, a, a lot of my films are described as slow burning, but but usually because I I I try to detail, you know, someone's life and 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 whether it's you know a day on 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 a boat or or a day in in Austin, you know, doing nothing kind of thing. It, mm. It's still, you know, you, you get you get to understand who that person is, and and it's not necessarily what you're doing a, a you know tra- traditional good film whatever because the, the pacing is so different but in in this film I, and i remember saying to mike you know i i feel we should really once he's on board we should establish his his routine his life it's it's monotony um and 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 then once we've done that we can pretty much do what we want so so and i i said to him you know you know think um solzhenitsyn's uh a, a a day in the life of Ivan Denisovich. You know, we we do that, we do that, and and then then people know who who he is. People understand, frankly, the, the mind-numbing boredom of what he's doing. Mm. 
and and as you say you know eating you know even eating which you know should be some kind of like you know break from the monotony in the end half the time he's eating literally rice and curry paste so as which is as you say at some point you you, you think you're probably going mad really just eating that kind of stuff and and, and there's there's little touches that make that really sort of took to, that, that really sort of and they're not they're not drop draw moments in the traditional sense but when you see a man in cotton pajamas climb yeah. out of his cabin and sort of yeah. do a yawn you're like are you really doing around the world in a boat? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's sort of just to just to demonstrate yeah. Yeah. the kind of literally how much out of his depth he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, and absolutely, and, and actually, the, the kind of really interesting thing, um, and and you know what, it may be just that that time was different from our time, but mm. the the idea, you know, when he left harbour, there's all these photographs of the real Donald Cross, and he was wearing a suit and a tie. And you're like, hang on, you're sailing around the world where no one's going to see you and you're wearing a suit and tie. Are you, are you crazy? But of course, that was very much indicative, not so much of Donna Cruz, but of, of the times in which, which, you know, which he lived, that that's what men did. That yeah, every, every, every time he shaves, I'm like, why are you shaving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are you yeah, shaving yeah. for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. So that, that, there's, a, there's a great surrealism in, in the whole film, really. Something which, you know, again... And, and and just the whole conceit of what he does, which is something that try to try to highlight with the um with with well specifically with the fishers, to be honest. How how um, because I mean I think I don't think it's a spoiler for, for, to be saying that this was a fateful journey. Um, yeah. How do you put together, or how does the drama become constructed where we don't really know? exactly what happened where does where does the detail come from and where does the detail meet imagination in terms of what we see on screen well a lot of what you know everything that he says you know he writes in a diary so mm -hmm. basically um Kronos kept two diaries on his on his journey one, one was a, one was a more traditional logbook yeah um, and then the other was a um um well a, a, a more traditional logbook where he fabricated the truth, um, and then the other was a logbook stroke diary where he wrote down the truth and very much his own kind of thoughts and stuff. So, so in the film there are times when he writes writes a few words here and there or entries into his diary, mm -hmm. and and that they, they're all taken literally from his his diary. So they're all real words. And, and then um, towards the end of the film he does these piece to cameras. And, and they're, they're a mixture of made up and, and real. So I think the, the very last speech, um, which he does with, with shafts of lights shining through, mm. that's something that comes from a, something that he wrote down. It, and, and that was actually, um, the, the last few words that he wrote in his diary. You know, it is finished. It is finished. It is the mercy. Wow. Um, so, so it's, 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 yeah, so it's a mixture of both. So, you know, it's, it is quite chilling really because, we, we we wanted to be as truth uh, as true as possible to to the man to his journey and and to his experience. Mm. But whilst of course me adding a kind of impressionistic stroke director's imagination and touch to make it more well you know more of a visual flourish really. Mm. No no no. So so let's tell people then how how can they see Crowhurst? Yeah well uh, good question. Well Studio Canal are giving it a very small 
theatrical release. Uh, it's coming out on Friday, the 23rd of March. Okay. At a cinema in London, um, and apparently in Burnley. And then after its first week's release, it, it should then getting rolled out, as they say, to a few more cinemas. I think in Tynmouth, uh, where Donald actually started his journey from Bristol, mm. where we filmed. So it, it's possible, depending on how the film is received and how good a job our distributors do, um, that it will pop up here and there at cinemas around the UK. Uh, but let's see. And then after that, it sh- uh, Studio Canal have an, an output deal with Amazon. So it should be hitting Amazon Prime at some point. Um, one would imagine in, in the near-ish future. I'm, I'm guessing... Okay. I don't we'll, know how long. We'll put we'll put we'll put a link of something. We'll put a link of something in the uh, in the show notes so people can check out the kind of where yeah. and how yeah, yeah. to do with the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's the kind of it's it's the sort of you, you know you wait you wait for a Crowhurst film and then two come along in the same month. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is unfortunate right. for you, but uh, I think it's safe to say that um, if you if you look if you're looking to choose between the two, it's it's worth seeing Crowhurst as almost like and and I said this to, to Simon before we started the podcast. It's like it's like the enfant terrible of uh, of the Crowhurst stories, I suppose. There's, um, it's yeah. got it's got all it's got all the magic of of uh, an old commentary on the time, but it, it is it as I said, it's, it becomes this existential, this slow building existential dread, which then just tips you over the edge with this wonderfully tragic tale of. I mean, I mean, in a way, there's there's a there's there's maybe also a comment on men's stub and pride as well because. Yeah, there's lots of moments where he could have just fucked it up yeah. and saved his life and gone back to Britain with his tail between his legs. And the worst that would have happened is that he'd have lost some. Fin- he'd have been in financial ruin, which isn't dying. It's not good, but it would, but obviously that would have been to the shame of his family. So rather than shame his family, which wouldn't have been a very British thing to do, and obviously the role of the the, the patriarch in, in in English society as was would have been then. Man, the provider. He, he, he. See, I mean, he doesn't talk about this. I'm reading between the lines, saying this about watching your film, but it did yeah. feel like that was a big part of it. Where it's like, actually, no, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's that's absolutely right, and and certainly, you know, that that's another. You know, going back to me and my films, and and what links them together. You know, one of the great things is, is a lack of communication in my films, and and you know, there's there's a time when Donald's on the phone to his wife at Christmas. He's all he. Almost tells her what's what's been going on, and he and, and he just can't quite bring himself. So it is. It's about it's about communication and lack of communication, pride, hubris, and 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 you know that just makes the whole thing, frankly, more tragic because you know he would have lost face, but you know at some point people would have forgotten, and actually at some point people would have gone, well, you know what, Donald, you, you, you tried, you, you you failed, but you know you, you know heroic failure, you know which in Britain usually goes down very well. You know, he would have been the Eddie Edwards of his time kind of thing. Mm. People would have forgiven him. So it's, it is ultimately really, you know, sad that, um, yeah, whatever happened to him happened to him. No, to be honest with you, I mean, this is a very minor, a very minor comparison, but I can, it spoke to me because uh, in my own, in my own male stupid pride, I did, I cycled 40 miles across Northern England with a broken arm. Because I told people I was going to do the coast to coast, so rather than go to hospital, which is what normal people do, I continued having gone over the handlebars to finish the ride I was said I was going to do, because I told people. 
<laughs> that's that's yeah. That, yeah. That, so when yeah. I'm watching, I'm watching. Obviously, your film is a magnified version of that kind of. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's like I don't know why. Why? I mean, I'm, I'm sure women may be falling into trouble as well, but I do think I do feel like it's a male trait. This this idea of well, I've told people, so therefore yeah. there's a contract. <laughs> no, I, I, and actually, I'm I'm pretty much like that myself. So yeah, no, you're absolutely right. You know, and and it is. It's it's a it's it is a very, very male. Well, maybe it's a few more things as well, but yeah, I think it's yeah, it's something I I can certainly um, yeah uh, empathise with. Well, look, uh, congratulations on, on Crowus. I thought it was an excellent film, and uh, I really, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed where you took us on it. Because I think, I think the big surprise for anyone that's a fan of your work yeah. is that it is a, it is a, it is a piece of your work. It isn't like you've gone, oh, I fancy doing a, 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 a romp at sea. This is, this is still a Simon Rumley film, as far as my eyes and ears were telling me. Great, 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 great. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. Oh, thanks, thanks for having me. Thanks for the the chat. It was. Uh... Right, enjoyable. Glad, glad Com podcast is provided totally free without any outside advertising. So if you enjoyed it, please make sure to subscribe at iTunes and write me a review. Thank you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com.